awakened me. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. It's said that there were seven last words of Jesus Christ on the cross. One of those was, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was really the last one. But there was a phrase that he said right before the last. And it stands before you. It comes out of John chapter 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and and he gave up the Spirit. We call it a Good Friday because we understand everything that transpired from that moment when he said, it is finished. But the prophecies of old which were shared with you 700 years before the death of Jesus Christ came true in that critical, crucial, crushing week. The one who they had beheld as king on Sunday with Palm Sunday had been betrayed. And it wasn't just Judas that betrayed him. Many people turned against him. People who thought that he would take over as an earthly king. But Jesus knew something far, far greater was needed than the people to have an earthly king. And so he remained obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the Isaiah passage talks about him being a man of sorrow, a man of suffering. And so as we come together on this Friday before the Easter, we need to reckon with the reality of the soberness and the heaviness of that night. Beginning with Jesus sharing the Passover meal, taking the cup, and the bread and signifying his blood and his body that would be offered. Betrayed by Judas. Taken captive. Led through trials that were totally wrong. He was stripped and he was beaten. And then he was crucified. They took his body and they placed it in a tomb. It was done. We think of it as being done. In fact, if you've lost a loved one, you know that feeling that's in your heart when you go, they're gone, they're gone. You want them to be back with you. You want to carry the memories with you. But you want those memories to be ongoing, live, in person. 
a crushing blow for one they thought would be the Messiah, the fulfiller. They didn't fully understand Isaiah 53 then. But Jesus, the next to the last words that he spoke, the last words were, into your hands I commit my spirit, which means that Jesus was in control of his death. And he offered it back to God his life. But these words, it is finished, need to be something that we weigh into and have a deeper understanding, especially, I believe, in our day and age. Maybe you understand some of what it meant. For him to say, it is finished? Maybe not. So let me press in to an understanding of it. It is finished in the English is actually three words. But in the Koine Greek, which was the everyday language of Greek, it's one word. And it's the word tetelestai. Tetelestai, it was a common word. In fact, people use the word tetelestai a lot in their everyday it had to do with finishing something, an achievement, something being accomplished. It was sort of a happy, a victorious word, if you will, to stelestai. It actually means the completion of a transaction. And in marketing terms, it meant paid in full. Strange, don't you think? Jesus dying on the cross, the next to the last words recorded of him were words that were in normal conversation, happy, victorious words, the completion of a transaction, paid in full, victorious. In fact, the apostle, the apostle Paul referenced in 2 Timothy 4, saying that in his life, it is finished. It was finished. It, uh, to tell us die, completed. Now, it says, it is finished. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say, I am finished. So what was he referring to with this, it is finished? It was actually speaking values of a task. And it was a task that we need to weigh into to have a deep appreciation for the cross, not only in worship like we are tonight, but in our personal life, an understanding of what this moment could mean for us, maybe even mean for you this evening. What was finished? Well, you see, the cross, the cross at its core is dealing with a problem, and it's the problem of sin, S-I-N. It's a word that you will not hear on newscasts concerning all the decadence and problems that happen. We say something was wrong with that person, or they didn't have the right influence, Maybe, you know, they, you know, were on medications or, or they had some other mental problems going on. And those kinds of things can be true of some of the evil and the sin that does happen. But you never hear it described as the person succumb to the sin in their life to commit that act. But it's just not the acts that are seen on the news. It's the acts in our own life. For the scriptures teach that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I tell you what, it's pretty critical for each one of us to come to a place in our life to have a deep appreciation and understanding that we are sinners. So there's been this problem, this problem of sin, 
And the sin is referred to as a debt. A debt has been incurred by sin. The debt of sin, though, won't go away. You ever had a debt that wouldn't go away? You've been paying on that debt your whole life. Doesn't matter what you do with the debt. You throw a little bit of down, it's still there. You can refinance that debt. In fact, I'm in the process of refinancing the debt on my house right now. It just doesn't go away. Well, there was a debt to be paid, and it wasn't going away. Through all time, it wasn't going away. You see, men were not able to pay this debt because this debt of sin was sin against God, and sin against God means sin against perfection. Sin falls short of complete perfection. And so we have this debt called sin, and, and we think we can sort of pay it off. You know, if we keep trying to do good, if we go to church a little bit, if we, uh, you know, maybe say a few prayers or have some others intercede for us, maybe that debt will sort of go away, but it still just stays there. And it's not just a residual, it'll build, and sometimes you think you've walked away from that sin, that sinful nature, and it comes back to bite you, and you do things, so why do I do these things? There is a sin problem for every man, woman, and child that needs to be dealt with. And God, I know this is hard, but God does not grade on the curve. You see, God is perfection. And if we ever want to live in perfection with Him in eternity or in this present life, there has to be this perfection that's met because of God's holiness, His weightedness, His, His beauty, His purity. And we think that, well, you know, when the time comes, He'll maybe sort of give me the nod or things aren't that bad. You ever been in a, a class and you were just hoping and praying that the teacher would grade on a curve? But then there was somebody in the class, some nerd, that always got 100%. And they just blew the curve every time. So it wasn't like, oh, well, I guess there it goes, you know, whatever their name was. Johnny, Billy, Sally, I mean, they blew the curve again. Well, friends, God does it great on the curve because God is perfection. And so sin falls short of God's glory, and we have a sin debt that has to be paid. And we try to pay it, but it doesn't go away. And so we look around and try to figure out how this thing can come about. That sin problem goes all the way back to the garden. The Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And there's been efforts through all of this earthly life through every generation, through every decade and century and millennium to try to pay this debt issue. Now, in the Old Testament, they had the sacrifices and they would, they would offer uh, an unblemished lamb as a sacrifice. And not only was that a sacrifice to help pay the sin debt, but there was also another lamb that was taken and the blood was put on the lamb and that lamb would, would scurry away into the outside of the city gates and was symbolic of trying to get the sin to go away but everything that was done up until the point of jesus christ was 
I don't know, maybe it was a little bit of a down payment or you're trying to defer the debt or something. But the, the debt of sin was not being dealt with until, until Jesus hung on the cross. And when he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, to die, he said, it is done, it's paid for. What did he mean? What did he mean? How in the world was it going to be paid for? You see, paying debt is difficult. Have you, have you ever paid your debt right at the last moment before you got the penalty charge or before, before maybe your lights were turned down or something else was turned off? Paying the debt, we, we wrestle with it and we postpone it and, and we think, how can we get at it? Sin is a debt that you and I, though, cannot pay. Because you and I, here's the problem. We are sinners. We are not perfect. You know, this weekend is the NCAA tournament. Final four. Four teams left. One of them's undefeated. And if you watch some of those games, you know, some of them, they come down to the end in the tournament, and, and there's a last-second shot, and it goes in, and somebody upsets somebody else and whatever. But this year, I saw an awful lot of shots where there were really good teams, and they were battling down to the end the last few seconds, and, and they got the ball to the best shooter. The game's tied, and that shooter puts the ball up, and, and, and there's the longing for it to go swish and go in, and they cheer because they won but it hits the rim and it bounces around and it doesn't go in. Now, if that shooter ran over to the ref and said, oh man, that was just really close. It almost went in. I mean, I'm a really good scorer and it usually goes in and we played really hard. Ref, will you count it? No. No. It didn't go in. It wasn't perfection. It didn't go in. And so many times we think that God's going to give us the nod, great on the curve. But friends, we've, we've got to reckon with this. We are sinful, fallen people. He created us in His image, but we fell. There is no one righteous, not even one. And so we have the perfection of God to deal with, especially if we want to be ushered into eternity. We, if we were sinful people and we were ushered into eternity, then the perfect eternity would no longer be what? Perfect. And so God who is perfection, look down on this situation of the sinners and realizes that they need to reckon with. They need to reckon with their sin. I find it really hard today in our culture sometimes to get people to reckon with sin. And you know why? They're all like me. I don't want to deal with my sin. I, I don't want to call it out. I don't want to say, yeah, I'm fallen. But all sinned, and, and we have this perfection to meet. Uh, it'd be like, let's say we all took off and went down to Oceanside tomorrow. And we all decided that we were going to swim to Hawaii. And we jumped in that ocean, and we took off, and we're freestyling, and we're going to there. And, you know, I'm out ahead of all of you, and I'm doing really good, right? But one by one, they start to drop off like flies. They, they drowned, and sure enough, before you know it, they, they would all drown. Why? 
Because even though you may outdistance somebody else, maybe you're a better swimmer than the next person or the, or the other group behind you. Because of the destination, we're all sinking. We're all drowning. We're all dying in our sin. You're all like, you're going to move off of this, Pastor? It's Good Friday. It is finished. And we need to understand what was finished. And what was finished had to do with this debt of sin. For the cross at its core is dealing with the sin debt. The soul that dies in sin, knowing that the wages of sin is death, there has to be a debt that is paid. Man alone, every man, woman, and child, we alone, owe the debt. But only God has enough to pick up the bill and pay it in full. But there's a problem. God is the only one who can pay this debt. But God is perfect. And God is a spirit. And mankind, created, is fallen, sinful, and owes this big debt of sin. So the only solution for the one who is sinful to get perfection is to have the one who is perfect die for him and that's what God did it's called the incarnation God himself fertilized the egg of Mary and God was born in human flesh he came among us and he lived a sinless perfect life for 33 years there was not one second of one day of one week of one year where God in Jesus did not meet the Father's will. And so, this Son of Man, Son of God, who lived this sinless life, came to this place where He was able to take our sin upon Him, the sin of every person who has lived past, present, and future. He took the sin of the world upon Himself and he sacrificed his perfect life in our place as a substitutionary atonement. A substitutionary sacrifice to be at one with God. Now this sometimes is a little bit of deep theology, but you've got to grab a hold of it. If you're a believer in Christ today, it's a reason to rejoice for this weekend of what happened on that Good Friday. And if you've never stepped across the line to become a follower of Jesus and allow His life and yours, then this is really good news on Good Friday. To tell us die. To tell us die. It's finished. No more do you have to bring in an animal sacrifice here to be able to worship God. No longer do you have to wonder, how am I ever going to pay off that huge debt? It's been paid. It was paid by Jesus Christ, who became man. God needed to become man, and that's exactly what happened. And when He became man, all kinds of things were fulfilled. On the cross, God took the penalty so that He could still love us, the sinner.
so that his wrath, his justice, is what that means, could be justified while paying for sin so he could express his love without compromising his perfection or his need for justice. We all cry out today, justice, that's not just, I want justice. You ever been in a court of law and not been given justice? It's very frustrating, or seeing a friend. We long for justice. The justice of God had to be fulfilled because he demands perfection. Sin had caused us to fall, and we are no longer perfect. We are dead in our sins, but the only way we can get back to perfection because God doesn't grade on a curve, and the distance is so far away that it's impossible to ever get there, is that God himself became man, and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And through that, the penalty was paid for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin, and then in that, your sin was taken, like placed on the scapegoat, and it was taken away. So that when you become a believer in Jesus, and he looks at your life, he sees perfection because he sees no sin. And why does he see no sin? Because to telestai, it is finished. He paid for the sin, and then he did something that was right on the heels of that that's as powerful as dealing with the debt of sin and that was he imputed his righteousness into your life second corinthians 5 21 he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god what say what yeah his 33 years of sinlessness his righteousness He now takes that righteousness, and when you invite him into your life, he puts that righteousness in there. So when God looks at you, he sees not the sinner, he sees Jesus. And you and I have our debt paid for, and then we get a huge blessing of a gift of grace and mercy. It'd be like some of us, you know, you have a $100,000 debt, And all of a sudden, the bank calls you and they said, hey, we just want to let you know that somebody, somebody anonymous, just put $100,000 into your bank account. It's all yours. What? What? Yeah. He imputed, he placed his righteousness in us. And so come not casually to the cross, especially on this Good Friday. Come with joyful, glad hearts. Because to telestai, it is finished. He paid the debt. God put in our bank accounts His full righteousness. But this only happens to those who repent of their sin and turn to follow Jesus. You've been trying to pay your debt by going to church or doing good works or being nice or not getting upset with your kids, maybe going to confessional, I don't know, saying certain kind of prayers. None of it will get you to where you need to go. What gets you there is by repenting, turning from your sin, acknowledging that you're a sinner, that you have a debt that you cannot pay, and then asking the one who to telestai said, it is finished to forgive you of your sins, come into your life and bring you his righteousness. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came. That Isaiah passage speaks that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. It's by that substitutionary atonement that he became obedient to on that Friday. 
So though it's heavy, to realize the death of the Messiah, it is good news on Good Friday for each person here. And as we close, I want to have a prayer for us tonight. And in this prayer, I want to give you the opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ if you've never done so before. Whether you're here or you're watching online, you can take the opportunity for this finished work of the cross to be effectually applied to your life. You can choose to withdraw from that bank account the full righteousness of God, not because of you or what you've done, but because of what He has done. It is finished, has some sense of the finality to it, right? Friends, the Christian faith, the genuine biblical Christian faith is not about what you do. It's about what He's done. It's not about what you do. It's about what He's done. So religion, let it go off the wayside. You're in a moment, especially here tonight, where you can take the opportunity to say it's what He has done and I want that applied to my life. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Savior. My debt forgiver. And be my Lord. Be the one who makes me righteous to stand before a perfect God in this life and in the life to come. So would you bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. And it's just in the quietness of this Good Friday evening. As we think upon all that was behind that word of Tetelestai. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? Have your sins been forgiven? Have your sins been forgiven? And have you allowed the man of sorrow to be the one who is Savior and Lord of your life. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never taken that step of faith before, I want to encourage you to do so tonight by repeating a simple prayer after me. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it just in the quietness of your heart. Repeat these words and thoughts after me. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, on this Good Friday, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. That there is a debt that I owe that I cannot repay. And I acknowledge in the beauty of your holiness and perfection that you came to this earth to die for me to forgive me of my sins that my sins may be taken away that though my sins be as scarlet they may be as white as snow so dear Lord Jesus I admit that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin I turn to you and repeat these words after me. Savior Jesus, come into my life. 
And from this day forward, be my leader, be my Lord. And from this day forward, as you enable me, I will choose to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for paying the debt of sin, for imparting to me your righteousness, for coming into my life and making me born again. Amen. If that was your prayer tonight, I want to shout hallelujah because something eternal has just changed and happened in these moments. I had the opportunity this last week to pray with someone, some of us did, who made that decision real clear. And I tell you what, the joy that fills your heart for them and your own heart when you realize one life is now moved from the debt category to the righteous in Christ category. And you know where their destiny is and secure. If that was your decision tonight, I want to encourage you to do something. I know it's dark in here, but in your seat backs is a, a connect card. And on the back, it says, I'm committing my life to Christ. You can mark that and place it on the baskets that or on the table on your way out. I'd love to follow up with you and be of personal encouragement and get you connected with others who are growing in their faith. Maybe you're not quite there yet. You don't quite understand even what I said tonight about the Tetelestite is finished and all that's a part of that. But, you know, you got a hunger. You got a hunger to be set free and to know God. But you got some questions. You got some more to learn. On the back of your card's a place that I've got questions. I want to grow spiritually and learn. Mark that and drop it in the basket with your name and at least a phone number. We'd be glad to connect with you. Easter's coming. I hope you're all back for Easter. There's something about the resurrection that put the final period on the Tetelestai. We're going to celebrate. Come, bring your friends, invite them. Come to the 830 service. We'd love to see it that way. Fill the room up for that. We're at the 10 o'clock. Kids ministry, both services. Middle school, the second service. So be here Sunday for Easter celebration. But you know, I stand here on Good Friday and know that those disciples, those followers were crushed through the weekend. Because they didn't understand what you understood here tonight. But it's amazing to me that Jesus fulfilled a prophecy that reached back six, seven hundred years. There is no time in eternity we have that connection with those followers and those disciples then as they walk through the darkness of that weekend. Let that understanding and spirit reside with you even though you know what to tell us die, it is finished means now. They didn't. But when we come back, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice on Sunday, the beauty and the power of the resurrection. I invite us to close with this song, reflecting on the man of sorrow. And when this song is done, I'm going to ask that you're dismissed. You can keep it quiet as you're dismissed. If you want to share with someone, that's fine. You can do it in the outer community area.
But let's let this be a sacred place. For some of you, maybe you want to linger here longer tonight. As we sing this final song, remembering the Lord's death until he comes again.